Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Listen to Your Eyes, a podcast from Horizon Therapeutics for people who have a thyroid condition and are experiencing problems with their eyes. Throughout this series, you can learn more about thyroid eye disease, or TED, and hear from physicians, caregivers, and others who discovered that their eye symptoms were actually TED. My name is Lauren Friedman. I'm a health coach, activist, and patient advocate, and the host of Uninvisible Pod, a podcast about living with invisible chronic illness and disability. Today, to mark World Sight Day, we're talking about the importance of having a thyroid eye disease or TED care team, or a group of specialized doctors that should be involved in your treatment journey and the co-management of your TED. Joining me is Dr. Anna Carolina Victoria, an oculofacial plastic and reconstructive surgeon at the Center for Excellence in Eye Care, and Dr. Sonali Kachikian, a board-certified endocrinologist who practices at Monument Health Rapid City Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Victoria and Dr. Kachikian. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Lauren. Glad to be here. Great. Well, I'm going to start with Dr. Victoria. And Dr. Victoria, can you talk about your experience treating TED and the role that oculoplastic surgeons play? Absolutely. And again, thank you for having me. I think it's such an important topic to cover for so many reasons. And um, I actually just uh, finished editing a, a, an op-ed on how TED can be misdiagnosed for some patients for months and sometimes even years. Um, and I've seen a lot of patients that will be sent by a savvy and you know endocrinologist who um, eventually sends them to me after these patients have been bouncing around from doctor to doctor, thinking that they have symptoms of allergies or you know they get treated as like dry eyes or um, just you know other conditions that are not really thyroid eye disease because it's such a um, heterogeneous way that it presents that um, some patients are just you know that diagnosis is missed for for months, and that means that those patients are suffering for months from those symptoms. So it's it's quite interesting why once they finally get to me that they're so relieved that they have something that they can put their finger on and actually be able to treat. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I'm curious as well about, um, you mentioned a couple of the kinds of symptoms that TED patients can present with. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that can look like and also about how some of their journeys might start in different places? You know, you mentioned savvy endocrinologists, so um, the various kinds of referrals that come to you. Can you yeah, talk to us a bit about that? Absolutely. So the, the great thing about now being um, having thyroid eye disease is that now there's more um, patient awareness about it. But before uh, this whole campaign started, I was getting patients that were being seen for itchiness, hearing, irritation, kind of foreign body sensation or grittiness in their eyes, uh, fluctuating vision, or just kind of an on like uncertain visual complaint that nobody could really put a, a finger on it. Um, and unless you really dig into the patient's past medical history, sometimes you can kind of gather it may be thyroid eye disease, but a lot of these patients may not have the diagnosis of anything going on with their thyroid. Um, and so kind of having that thorough workup, you know, a, a, a regular workup, you know, where they just check your chemistry and your CBC is not going to reveal your thyroid function. And even you thyroid or normal thyroid function patients can actually have blood levels that are indicative of active thyroid eye disease, even in the absence of anything abnormally wrong in their thyroid function. 
Wow, I didn't know that about the blood work. So that's really fascinating. Um, and do many of your patients have Graves' disease as well, Dr. Victoria? Yes. So majority of the thyroid eye disease patients are uh, patients that have Graves' disease. However, I have seen quite a, a good number of patients that were first diagnosed with Hashimoto's or have hypothyroid. Um, and I've actually had a mix of patients where they're not sure if they have Hashimoto's or Graves because um, there's a lot of blood markers that the endocrinologist and Dr. K can actually maybe shed light upon on me um, where they don't have a clear diagnosis of exactly what's going on with their thyroid. Um, and so they're kind of their panel is all over the place and they may have a more of a complicated clinical course. Uh, but yeah, most of the patients that I see do have Graves' disease, but there's that there's also that gray area of euthyroid or hypothyroid patients. That, that's so fascinating. I'm a Hashimoto's patient myself. So to hear that, I'm like, well, I'm going to be looking out for those symptoms now. <laughs> um, but it's so helpful to have this knowledge and to be able to arm ourselves as patients with this kind of information. So thank you for that, Dr. Victoria. Dr. K, I'm going to turn to you. Can you tell us what the symptoms of TED are and how it's different to or related to Graves' disease? Because these are two separate diagnoses, correct? Right. So Graves' disease affects your thyroid, and that will affect a multitude of organs within your body. So your heart, your skin, your GI tract. And then Eye disease is almost pathognomonic for Graves' disease, but it's a whole other set of symptoms. So when I see patients, and obviously Dr. Victoria is going to be able to go into much more detail about this, but I'll ask them if they have any kind of pain when they move their eyes, if they have pressure on their eyes, if they wake up and they notice that their eyes are bloodshot or red, if when they wake up in the morning, it's painful to open their eyes, if they notice that they have more tearing if they notice that they have more swelling above the eye or under the eye. Um, so I start there and then I just move forward, you know, and, mm -hmm. and depending on what they say, I'll kind of guide them one way or another. And when you say pathognomonic, do you mean that these are separate but similar? Right. So Graves' disease is an autoimmune condition and with it, you could have antibodies. I think the full pathophysiology is still to be determined. I know that for thyroid eye disease, we're uncovering so much more information about what causes thyroid eye disease. And for a long time, we know it has to do with the thyroid receptor. Does it have to do with the exact antibodies that affect the thyroid itself? Possibly, but we know that there's more to it than that. Wow. So we're still learning. That's really fascinating to know. I was wondering, Dr. Kachikian, from an endocrinologist's point of view, how often do you treat patients with Graves' disease, and what is your role in treating thyroid eye disease if a patient develops it? So after diabetes, thyroid eye disease, or thyroid symptoms are one of the most common things I see in clinic. You can have underactive patients like yourself who are hypothyroid or hyper or hypothyroid, or you can have hyperthyroid patients. So obviously I see a lot of hyperthyroidism and the majority of the hyperthyroidism I see is due to Graves' disease. Um, it affects women more so than men, but it can affect both. Um, not everybody who comes in with hyperthyroidism has eye disease. And the way I explain it to people is the thyroid is, can be thought of as the thermostat for your body. Um, if somebody turns on the thermostat, you're going to notice that you have palpitations, anxiety, hot intolerance, maybe frequent bowel movements, not able to sleep, super dry skin. Not every person reads the book and has every single symptom. And now as part of my care, I always ask them, 
do you have eye symptoms? And since I know what the symptoms of thyroid eye disease are, I'll kind of go through. Some patients have lived with the symptoms for so long that unless somebody asks them, they feel like it's standard and it's not. Um, mm. So I think it's important. And, and I ask them and I teach them about it. And then at every visit, I'll just bring it up. And part of that, I'll also bring up the fact, are you smoking? Okay, if you're smoking, you know, this can directly affect it. So maybe stop it and then we'll talk about how things go. Are things getting worse? What are simple things that you could do from the endocrinologist standpoint? Mm. It's so amazing because I, I imagine so many of those patients must feel, I mean, sounds like a pun, but no pun intended. They must feel very seen when they have a doctor validate, you know, symptoms right. like the eye symptoms that they might not pri previously have understood were part of the diagnosis or a separate diagnosis itself. It's also really interesting, and I feel like I almost have to be an advocate for patients because patients who have hyperthyroid symptoms will go see urgent care or will see their primary care doctor. And getting a blood test, a gamut blood test, and having thyroid levels that are abnormal are great. But if patients don't have thyroid problems or abnormal thyroid labs, like Dr. Victoria said, they don't know where to go. Oftentimes, they end up in dry eye clinic. Oftentimes, they don't see anybody outside of their optometrist. And so they suffer for years. Um, so when patients come to me, I feel like it is my role now to, you know, to give them that full care. Yeah. when well, we so appreciate you being <laughs> able to do that because it makes the difference in our quality of life. I'm wondering, Dr. K, how do you typically work with a TED specialist to manage a patient's TED as well? So I'm actually a little bit jealous that I don't live near Dr. Victoria. My situation and how I got into thyroid eye disease is a little bit more interesting than anywhere else in the country. I live in the Midwest. We don't have a lot of oculoplastic specialists, which is not to say we don't have ophthalmologists. We're just not oculoplastic specialists. There used to be one who used to come here, and I jokingly would say I was her fellow because she would call me with questions and I'd check labs and stuff. But when she left, I remember there was a particular patient who had, you walked in the room and you were like, you have to be uncomfortable. Like, what is going on? And the ophthalmologist and the neurologist were both arguing back and forth because the patient had positive antibodies for thyroid eye disease, but also had issues with myasthenia gravis. And nobody was taking ownership or taking care of them. And it makes sense because autoimmune diseases kind of travel together. And so everyone was kind of passing the buck. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I, I'm going to ask Dr. Victoria sort of the, the companion question, which is how do you typically work with a patient's endocrinologist to manage their TED? Absolutely. So I do get a lot of referrals from endocrinologists from the neighborhood. Of course, if they know me, they kind of, you know, the patients make um, their way to me. I also work in a very large practice for a multi-specialty ophthalmology group where, you know, my savvy um, anterior segment specialists or your cataract glaucoma doctors will know, you know, they'll, they'll know the patient has some kind of thyroid issue and they'll just say, well, go see her just to make sure this is not thyroid eye disease. Um, so I do get a lot of that. Um, but I do get a lot of patients that just, you know, again, either self-refer because mm -hmm. they know they have hyper or hypo and they've, they've seen, again, that patient awareness campaign going on. Um, and a lot of them may actually have active disease that hadn't been picked up. Once I pick it up, then, you know, I, I do kind of follow my own bl uh, blood work, which it may mm -hmm. differ a little bit from 
you know, like typical, you know, thyroid function testing, um, I tend to trend to different levels um, that maybe endocrinologists don't always trend. And I'm sure maybe Dr. K probably does because um, she's very savvy about thyroid eye disease. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes you have to kind of ask for special testing. You know, if they go to their endocrinologist, I send them with my prescription saying, okay, once you get your blood work, also ask for these levels so that we can kind of trend those levels and see where you're, where, you know, where you're lying in that curve of activity. It kind of just becomes so, um, you know, so easy for us to just kind of go like, well, do you have any pressure? Do you have any pain? Do you have the right. position? And, you know, it just kind of rolls off your tongue, that clinical activity score, um, which is how we kind of grade how active patients are in symptomatology. Um, but I also think that just kind of um, daily activities, daily things that the patients, it may not fall exactly in that clinical activity score, uh, but that you can kind of follow through in the exam that may, they may not notice, you know, that, and that's the beauty of my specialty, at least, is that we measure everything so millimetrically that even a half a millimeter I follow. So, you know, we, we can potentially see things earlier than the own patient can just because they're seeing at the, at the mirror every day, we're kind of measuring and taking data points in time and trending that, um, those numbers to see where they're going. What I'm hearing is a lot of collaboration from both sides, which is so wonderful to hear as a patient, because, you know, often that's something that we have to um, sort of figure out our way through. Um, so being able to have that with doctors like both of you who are so understanding of these conditions and know who to refer to is so exciting. Um, it's like giving me life right now, y'all. Um, and I'm wondering as well, Dr. Victoria, if a patient already has an endocrinologist when they come to see you, how could they, or maybe if they don't come to see you, but if they already have an endocrinologist, how could they find a TED specialist and, and what type of eye specialists usually treat TED? Right. So if you need to find a specialist, there's a, a database online. It's called te, uh, teddoctors.com. Um, that where they can access and see who specializes in thyroid eye disease. In the um, bigger realm of ophthalmology, usually um, where you have big uh, in metropolitan areas, you'll have um, neuro-ophthalmologists, hopefully, that will treat thyroid eye disease because they're more specialized in nerve function and the whole nerve, um, um, nerve system of the eye. So they, they know how to measure things even more intricately so than my measurements, um, or uh, an oculoplastic surgeon. Because um, again, we're, we're measuring eyelid position, globe positioning um, in that sense. So the, those are the usual thyroid eye disease specialists. That's not without say that there are general ophthalmologists that will also manage thyroid eye disease, especially in areas like where Dr. K is, where there's not a lot of subspecialists and not a lot of you know ophthalmologists in general. And I'm curious, I'll turn to you, Dr. Victoria. Um, why is it key that patients diagnosed with TED seek to establish a medical care team beyond just a single doctor or a specialist? Why is it important to like talk to your endocrinologist, but also talk to an oculoplastic facial surgeon or uh, similar? Patients with thyroid eye disease have a gamut of eye symptoms. And mm -hmm. as I said, it could be something as subtle as greediness, burning, irritation, like Dr. K said, you know, just feeling like you're bloodshot when you're sleeping, which is a sign that your eyes are not closing all the way at night when you're sleeping. Um, but they can also have nerve compression. They can also have issues with the movement of the eyes. And so when they get sent to see an eye doctor, um, 
you know, they're going to get checked for vision, they're going to get checked for nerve function, they're going to check for eye alignment. And even within ophthalmology, and a generalist or an oculoplastics like myself may say, look, there's once or if we get to a surgical point, you may need to have, you know, orbital decompression, eyelid surgery, or muscle surgery, which is treated usually by different subspecialties. It's also important to have a team of doctors because me as an oculoplastic surgeon may not be able or I'm not acquainted with how to follow um, certain um, aspects of medical treatments. So meaning if I instill a medication and there's different ways to treat uh, Graves' disease, such as you know uh, radiation or IV medications um, that have side effects. And so having an endocrinologist on board, having you know your, your medical doctor on board is important because one doctor cannot handle, and we just, we're, we're just not, at this point in time and age, medicine has grown so much that you know, there's a, a niche for every doctor on how they're going to manage a patient. So having just mm -hmm. one doctor for one disease, especially thyroid eye disease, it's just not something you're gonna have. You're gonna have multiple doctors treating it usually. It makes a lot of sense, as you're saying. It's that also the the openness from any medical doctor's perspective to be able to be like, well, this is the limit of my understanding, and I want to pass it off to someone else who might be a little better versed in this particular methodology. So that approach of really looking from a team care perspective is, uh, I mean, that's how we should be doing everything, I guess, right? But um, it's really wonderful. Yeah. I think patients can think of it as two different rings or Venn diagrams where they cross over. So thyroid will cross over with eye disease and there's a whole section that I do and we'll identify it. But then the oculoplastic specialist has a whole other realm to it. So I think we have to be able to pass patients back and forth and treat them. And then, mm. you know, if, if there's any kind of intervention made, any kind of situations that may come up need to be addressed. Yeah. I just, to add just one again, um, mm highlight the fact that if you if you really do see a thyroid eye specialist, that thyroid eye disease specialist is going to have kind of a network made already of physicians that know how to manage, you know, the condition for which they're being sent to be seen for, you know, and, and I think mm -hmm. that having that ring of trust almost, right? Like yeah. if, if Dr. K and I had worked together, you know, I know what she needs from from me when she sends me a patient and she and I the same. And so having that network is so important amongst doctors as well. Yeah, I love that you bring that up because it also is probably very reassuring for patients too, to know that if they go to see one of either of you perhaps or another specialist who works with the same sort of caseload um, and comes across thyroid eye disease or TED at the same rates, that it's going to be someone who also has a referral network and has other physicians that they are speaking to regularly who can chime in and help you manage everything. So you're not on your own. Exactly. Yeah. Beautifully said. Thank you. All right, Dr. K and Dr. Victoria, I wanted to close out this interview by finding out if either of you has a set of top tips that you might offer to patients who are coming in to see you or perhaps as another specialist in your field. Um, I'll start with you, Dr. K. If a new patient were coming to see you and they weren't sure if maybe their symptoms were allergies or you know, maybe it, it is thyroid eye disease, what would you suggest that they say to you or ask you uh, during your session with them? So I think patients need to be able to be honest about what's going on. I know in my own practice, when I talk to them, 
um, or get history, I told you already, I, it's part of my review systems. I know that the two are linked, and so I think part of it has to do with education of the endocrinologist and not just staying just within your one area, but knowing that there's more to, you know, there's more to it, and you may not be able to directly handle it, but you need to at least ask them. So I always tell, I always ask patients about eye disease, and I'll and at the end of every visit I'll say, okay, what what would you like to tell me that I didn't ask you, right? And, and once I've opened up the the window about like, okay, do you have any problems with your eyes? They may say, you know, my eyes are dry, my eyes are really itchy. Sometimes I feel like they're watering all the time. And if patients don't know if it's due to allergies or not, I think one of the things they can ask themselves are is any intervention they're making, like changing things? Is it worse when they're outside and it's really windy? Is it worse during high allergy symptoms? Because sometimes you can just, and Dr. Victoria can speak on this, sometimes allergy symptoms will only affect your eyes, but oftentimes it's not just that. You know, they'll have like the post-nasal drip, of like a cough. So I feel like if they're noticing that their eyes are bothering them or they're gritty or they hurt and they don't have some of the other symptoms that they need to talk about, you know, they need to talk to us about it. If I see patients and they're having any kind of symptoms, I say, when you see your eye doctor, you need to tell them that you have thyroid disease. And then you need to ask them, is there anything else that you need to look for? Um, and that's, I mean, that's where I start. I think that's awesome. I love that you ask if there's anything you didn't cover. I love that question. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something. So so, no, I said you'll be so surprised because I feel like if you give patients the opportunity to ask, especially now that we're crunched for time, I don't want them to leave thinking, "Oh my gosh, I should have told her that." So, which is another reason why I always advise patients to like get a list together of your questions before you go in, or be journaling your symptoms so that you can bring data to your doctor that's like, look, I've been tracking my symptoms for three weeks and I've had this go on every day or, you know, whatever it is that can help you be a lot more prepared and use your limited time more effectively. Um, Dr. Victoria, I'll ask you the same thing. What are your top tips for patients who are coming to see you or another specialist? Uh, What would you recommend they ask or say when they're in their appointments with you? Sure. So I think for me, at least seeing a patient for the first time, Taking a thorough history for me is so important. So knowing, you know, it may annoy the patient because they have to say it over and over again, but really just knowing, okay, yes, I had thyroid surgery such year, or I do take this amount of medication. When was, you know, was it was changed, wasn't changed. Um, you know, your blood work, when was it done? Can you bring it with you? The more data I have, the more information I have about you, the more I'll know and it, it'll help me um, gauge where you are. And so having a story of like, you know, well, it all started with, you know, the thyroid and then the eye symptoms came on or the other way around. Like that to me is very important to know when this all started. So I know where in the curve you lie. Um, And then I always tell my patients kind of like Dr. K asked their patients if if she hasn't asked anything um, that they, that they want to say is if they ever feel that their vision changes, don't wait for your following visit. Come sooner. My door is always all open to my thyroid eye patients because it may just be something silly to them, but it may mean, you know, sight changing um, uh, treatment that I may start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of my, my takeaway point and as well as 
stop smoking. Stop smoking. <laughs> we haven't mentioned it already. <laughs> stop smoking, kids. Um, that's wonderful. That's such great advice. Thank you so much, Dr. K and Dr. Victoria, for sharing all of that. You've been such wonderful guests today, and we're so grateful for your time. Oh, thank, thank you, you so for, much for having us. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Of course. And thank you all for listening. And until next time, listen to your eyes. <laughs>